You're listening to Hey everyone, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, love, and all things modern culture. My name is Mindy Chang, I'm your host for episode 22, and I'm ridiculously excited about this episode because we get to dive into a a subject and uh, a topic of conversation that you do not hear that often, but you will be hearing more often because I have a featured guest today who I'm just ecstatic is here to share her thoughts and talk with me about female sexuality. Please welcome to, first of all, episode 22, writer, actor, and nurse, Katie Roberts. And she's also the host of a brand new podcast called Clit Talk, um, which she co-hosts with nine women all together. Mm-hmm. Hi, Katie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is um, backstory, just real quick. If you guys listened to one of my episodes on uh, talking about race with Amono Koje, she is friends with Katie, and mm-hmm. she connected us, and the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. How's how's um, everything? Do you want to like share who what, what your background is or yeah, who you are? So I'm, um, I started as a nurse. I come from a medical family. I went to nursing school to support myself as an actor. Started playing a nurse on TV. Oh my God, I love it. (laughs) And then I started getting um, consulting gigs where I would basically work in production and pop around and play a character. That's amazing. So you consult on like... Nursing, television on television. That's amazing. Yeah. Girl, I have questions for you. <laughs> so many questions. So many questions. That's awesome. So, yeah. And then uh, I broke away from that and I really started acting, just, just acting. And mm-hmm. that kind of transformed into me writing the That's, last two years. And we were just sharing. So what kind of writing were you doing? You're like into comedy now. Into comedy. I've always been such a drama actor. <laughs> and, um, it's funny what emerges from that. Yeah. And once I started writing, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a really funny point of view of the world. And um, <laughs> people think it's funny. So it's like so exciting <laughs> to like... What would you liken it to? Like who are your comedic inspirations? Like what do you resonate with? Like who are comics? I was just telling you, I love Melissa mm-hmm. McCarthy and I love Amy Poehler. I love Tina Fey. Yes. I love Amy Schumer. Yes. I love, oh, America, um, what's her name? Sarah Silverman. Yes. Oh my God. She's hilarious. I love her new show, America. I actually haven't her. watched that. I, I People will learn this more about me. I'm like a creative and an actor, but I don't watch that much. So this is actually a resolution of mine to just regularly consume things. Mm-hmm. Even things that I don't like, just so that I can gauge what's out there. Yeah. 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 But do you, you watch a lot of... I watch a lot of TV. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's your world. It is. So it makes it sense. Is. Awesome. And then now you're going into your other creative endeavor, which is what, first of all, has become for me, just kind of having conversations that are pointed and with consciousness and all that stuff. And can you tell us a little bit about how Clit Talk started? Because that's a great, great... <laughs> great story. I'm so excited about this. So it started at a bachelorette party and one of my girlfriends was gifted a book called Pussy, A Reclamation okay. by Regina Thomas Shower. And we just started getting so excited about this book and yoni eggs and talking about sex. And so much came out that in the conversation that we were like, what about we do a show? I mean, my girlfriends are all very creative. So, yeah. And the conversations were so juicy that we're like, well, let's read this together. Yeah. And then we had weekly conversations and it transformed our our lives in different ways on such a deep level mm-hmm. that I was first inspired to write a show about it. Yeah. And we're like, we need to share these conversations with the world, especially with the what's going on in society right now. Right. But there was such an opening for it. Right. I mean, we're, and that's, what we've been discovering along the way is that a lot of this, like a lot of these triggering conversations or a lot of the, it's, it's just like, you're kind of like exposing a wound, but like it needs to be so that it can heal. Exactly. So it's going to be really uncomfortable, but, and painful, but because people have to kind of address things that maybe have been just like laying there in the dark and 
suppressed or like ignored for a long time. Mm-hmm. But in the pro- in the healing process, you realize like there's a lot of great, amazing like liberation that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think it's honestly to the benefit of everybody because Absolutely. it's not just about women. It's for everybody to have better relationships, more trusting relationships and not just with other people, but with yourself. Yeah. And as women, like we get to, we have the opportunity to walk through it now Yeah, and really let our voices be heard but it's the men in our life and the children who are really going to benefit most from it. Right. Right. And we no matter who you are, what your orientation or you know what you identify with, we all interact with one another, so that's mm-hmm. my more holistic way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Whether you know, I'm in a relationship with a man or with a woman or whatever, all these dynamics influence us, right? The way we perceive ourselves, the way we carry ourselves, our sense of safety, like everything. And to me, it's very like tied to everything. So I think it really is to the benefit of everybody that we're going to walk through this. And I'm excited because, you know, like to provide context of like, this is kind of like a female sexuality one-on-one. And I really hope that you and like all your co-hosts come back onto first of all and we continue this conversation because it's a topic I think you could never sum up in like a half hour hour conversation which is why there's series and it's going to be a growing thing but for me I've uh I feel like I've had a really interesting relationship with my sexuality because I personally went through puberty really young and some people it's just like set the stage some people don't get sexually aware until later like everyone like the late bloomers or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. people enter that consciousness or that awareness at different stages in their life definitely were you an earlier late bloomer i was 17 so i think that was maybe a little bit on the later spectrum yeah so um, I was nine. You were nine. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely at the See, end. See, this is great, though. So yeah. then we get all the perspectives. Like, good little Catholic girl. Yeah. <laughs> I was a Baptist Christian. Yeah. But then the funny thing is I felt like pop culture, because it was just like, it wasn't about church. That That is very influential in, like, what I perceived and how I perceived it. Mm-hmm. But I was also, like, watching movies and listening to music and, like, salt and pepper. I was like, let's talk about sex. I'm like, what's that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, like, the fact that I was 17 and I did wait, like, and where I get to be now after reading this book and having these conversations and everything that's going on in the world, that, like, I realized how repressed I was. Right. Wait. So, sorry, to clarify. So, 17, I meant nine as, like, that's when I went through puberty. Oh, okay. I was talking about sex. Oh, sex. No, no. I was like, nine is very young. No, 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 no. That's (laughs) terrible. Well, I was pretty young and like, yeah, that's the problem is that I I had sex younger. I was 15, Mm -hmm. but, and that wasn't a good thing the way it played out. But puberty, I went through nine, like in terms of being aware of like sex and my body changing, getting boobs, all that stuff. How old were you? So for that, so I was an elite gymnast. So I was in high school. Okay. When that happened. So I want to say 15. 15. Yeah. Okay. I was definitely a late bloomer. Yeah. It was when I stopped competing that like my body really changed. Okay. That's so interesting. I'm very curious. I'm a Mm -hmm. public health major, like bio nerd. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious about like how environment and like what we do, um, like being an athlete, how that impacts our bodies and like everything like that. I think it has a lot to do with the bo- the amount of body fat that your that your body carries. And when I'm training, you know, four hours a day, competing on the weekends, I, there was no room for my body to really expand. Wow, that's it, amazing. It was a dramatic change after wow. I quit, and it was within a um, couple months that like I had boobs and like I had like more of a butt yeah and it was well, we have an airplane excuse us but yeah. anyway we continue. that's in a couple months after you stopped it was just your body completely transformed my body that's- was so ready to hit puberty so <laughs> and you had been kind of like stunting that by like being a really hardcore competitive gymnast yeah that's amazing i yeah so i went through it really really young and i was one of the first girls in my school to get boobs and like have my period and the funny thing is I hadn't even I I got my period and then I had sex ed after Mm. so no one had prepped me my mother hadn't talked to me about it my mom and I actually never really have have had a sex talk she asked me if like 
you know, like, did you start your mens? Like, so she asked me in Korean, mm. and I was like, I don't know what that is, so no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. And I was like, on the way to school. That was the only thing she asked me. And then I said no, and then I think, like, a couple months later... I got my period while I was at school, and then I remember because I see my mom's like pads and all her equipment under the sink one day, and it, I just put two and two together, and I was like, "Oh, that's what." Okay, so I went to the, so I didn't oh freak God. out, and I just like I went to the office, and I was like, "I think I said like I'm bleeding, yeah, something like that." I was like, "I'm bleeding," and the, the office nurse was so nice. I remember her; she was like super, super nice. She's like, "Okay, wait right there," and she like got me a pad. I was, I was like. A, I was like right at the end of fourth grade or beginning of fifth grade. I just remember school and like little kid clothes. And then it just kind of happened and you never talked to your mom about it again. No. It was just like one day you're like, oh, I don't even think I told my mom. Oh, really? I think I went home and I used her stuff. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that's really, I actually never even thought about that. How it progressed from there. I was at the pool. I was not even with my parents. We were visiting friends who used to live down the street all boys one of which I had a huge crush on of course of course and um I remember we were at the pool and I just started like bleeding and I was like what is happening to me because in the pool in the, like when I had when I was on my way home from the pool okay and um and so my friend's mom helped me and she had like one little girl but three boys who were older yeah. so it was like yeah it was such a you have three older brothers thing no the oh. woman who i was staying the with the woman you're staying with we were like staying with family friends got it happened got it yeah so oh my it gosh very embarrassing and that's the thing well and then that's when i hit puberty i started liking boys since i was like four yeah i was just home for christmas and we were watching old family videos uh-huh. and there was this one boy in the neighborhood, and I'm just, like, hanging on him and chasing him. I go from, like, you know, playing with my dolls to, like, all of a sudden, I was four. I think it was four and a half. Uh-huh. And I, like, it's so clear that I like this boy. Aww. It's so cute. I wish I don't have any videos from when I was little. I have lots of photos. My parents didn't have a camcorder. I was like, I wonder. I kind of, like, don't want to see. I'm, I totally want to see, and I'm like, <laughs> I was really terrible and, like, either terrorizing because I was a tomboy. Mm. So if I liked somebody, that means you're probably going to get hit in the head with something. <laughs> or, like, berated somehow. I'm like, you're stupid. Get away. You know? Like, but I was totally crushing on him. Yeah. It was very obvious that that's I was adorable. crushing on this boy. That's adorable. That really and then that's the thing that I've, um, you know, talking with girlfriends, like, recognizing and recollecting when it went from, like these beautiful innocent feelings like I just want to be around you and I just want to be like see you at school or or church or whatever Mm -hmm. to like holding hands and like you know having feelings of like desire what does that even mean that's a really like I think it's a beautiful time it's like very magical in a way but it's also like so under or not discussed with with young people or with girls like no one ever talked to me about it it was like just this experience that I developed over time Mm -hmm. and to me I was really just educated by movies and music and like 17 magazine as most people are did you ever have that talk with your mom or anybody did you have a big sister or cousin or anything you know I have my mom is a nurse so she would talk to me about like the anatomy of things that's great so I actually had information but I do remember when I had to go get birth control, it was like a horrifying experience. Who did you go with? With my mom. Okay. And I just felt like so ashamed and like it was... And you said you're Catholic. And I'm that Catholic. Have, okay. And, um, and it was just a... I just That's what stands out to me the most when we're talking about this is that moment of like I was doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt that to such an extreme that I never... I just lied. It was just I lied about my boyfriend. I mean, that was I was a very extreme case, but I would and but I had so all my friends. None of us talked to our parents. There was a whole life that we led that was completely unbeknownst to our parents. And I'm Korean American, Korean American and Christian background. So like it just there's so much shame and so much there's so many structures and rules of propriety and like what's appropriate and what's not and mm-hmm. then like what is permissible to even be discussed like you just don't talk about that right because it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. like what do you mean you're having sex or like what do you mean boys and so yeah it's and that's 
I, as an adult now, I reflect, I'm like, I understand it, but that's a lot to be taking when you're 15 or 16, 17. Right. And you're like exploring and like, it's supposed to be this fun, joyous time, but it's like super confronting and those kind of things I've noticed now that I'm 33 have stayed with me. Right. And have, I've kind of blown open the doors with it in the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, but just cause I took the initiative to be like, what is going on? Like, yeah. why is it that I feel this way? Why don't I want to have sex? Like, why is it stress or is it, you know, biochemical? Right. Is it, um, it's impacting my life to the point where I was really starting to experience depression really? about it. And um, Regina talks about in the book that pleasure is and joy in your life releases neurotransmitters that yeah. balance the serotonin, dopamine. Yes, absolutely. And um, and that's what it, women take um, Prozac or Paxil for, like depression medications. Yeah. So so many women who have come to her school have gotten off of medications like that, and um, just by a daily practice of masturbation i'm telling you that like that this topic becoming more normalized i have personally like i don't care if i'm annoying about it but like i'm doing it out of love to at least my girlfriends that we are close and we have trust that i am i'm actively trying to open up that conversation where I have friends who are like more uncomfortable about it. It's not like we've grown up in, you know, we're millennials and like we've grown up with being more comfortable, probably way more than any previous generation. Yeah. But they're still like, Oh, what do you, you know, what are you talking about? I was that person. I was that person before I started this project. Like I have run away from clit talk so many times. (laughs) What do you mean? Like so confronting the com like in the beginning. You're like like, so uncomfortable. We're like, we're going to talk about this to the world. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, I've never really masturbated before. So like, I'm not going to talk about this. What is that? I don't even know what that is. Um, what do you mean you do 10 times a day? Um, I I can't be with this, you know, and it's just, I'm just so thankful to have walked through that yeah. with such a loving, supportive group of women yeah. who I trust. Yeah. And it's it's really been in the sisterhood and, you know, sisterhood goddess activism. I love <laughs> like, it. We are we've goddesses. We've really been able to walk through it together. And, like, I had a back injury all last year, and my back pain went away because I was holding so much tension. I'm telling you, this is not just like, oh, well, I just feel better in, like, emotions. That is impacts your health like absolutely your body your re- and again to your relationships to me i'm like if we it, it starts within us because like first of all why first of all why should w- a woman not have the freedom and enjoyment of orgasms and good sex and intimacy and like all the good things and like again, we operate differently. We're biologically different than men. And like again, even even if you're in a female female relationship, or if you're trans, like as a person, your sexuality is such a inherent part of who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not something you just opt to. Like, oh, that's my favorite color. I like blue. To, you know, it's just who you are. It, it drives a lot of our motivation and like how we interact with other people. Like why not be fulfilled in that? And the thing about it is it doesn't have to be like we are, we've sexualized it so much that it, you think of porn right away, you know, when you, because they do classes where you can watch long form orgasms to learn to research. Like I never knew that people did that. I would never be long form. Long extended extended (laughs) orgasms. And it's uh, Stephen Vera Budansky. They've done a lifetime of research and they have, there's all these different courses. Um, there's, I think it's called O and, um, here in Los Angeles where you can go and there's someone there legs spread open wow who's getting stimulated and everyone there is learning wow how to give an extended orgasm that's like, some next level like and here's the thing so I mean that's fascinating <laughs> but it's all about sensuality and like being able to like really learn cause I I mean there's trial and error mm-hmm. right but like there's classes for everything you want to learn. Yeah. So it, this being like a like a weird thing in the beginning, I'm like, oh, I want to go like see what I could learn. And see, this there. is a thing that I was recognizing because I was, you know, I'm very because it's coming out of place of love. When I was talking to certain friends, like I didn't want to make them 
too uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm right. challenging because I believe, like, when I love people, I'm like, I wish you good sex. And when I don't like you, I'm like, I wish you blue balls or, like, whatever. <laughs> You're a bad person until you get right with yourself. No good sex for one month or, like, whatever. I'm the worst. But, um, well, because I just feel like it's a part of who we are. And when I say, you know, I'm challenging them everyone's at a different place with sexuality. Like even this conversation could be really, really uncomfortable for like a lot of my listeners. And totally. Sorry. I, I'm not sorry. But like, yeah. like <laughs> I, I we're, we're, we're doing this with the absolute intent of like, to me, honestly, I'm like, this is, this is like a way to build peace. If people were having better sex and feeling better in their bodies, this is the way I just look at it. It's like, I can be more comfortable in myself. I feel less defensive. I feel calmer. I feel more, I feel healthier. I don't have back pain, whatever that may be physically. And if I have that ability to be good with myself, then I can be good with other people, especially the intimate relationships, right? Definitely. And, you know, that's been a lifelong process for me. Lifelong, like figuring out how to say no, how to say yes, how to ask for what I want, how to like know what I want. Well, I mean, the, so... A woman's pussy is her power source. So if you're not plugged in to your power source, that's where your confidence lies. That's where like your creativity lies, like in the sacral chakra or whatever, like that's the base of creativity. And like, I've just, this would sound like mumbo jumbo to me before all of this, but I've actually lived through it Uh to the point where like my life and my marriage and like my relationship with my parents and anyone I come in contact with, I really got my voice back. That's amazing. Do you feel like you, so do you feel like it was a voice you had and then lost and then like rediscovered or was it kind of like a growth? I'm very like, so we were talking about the home videos that I was watching at home. I have always had that voice. There uh-huh. was a moment. That's why I was really curious about watching them and so thankful that my parents have so much footage because there was a moment and it's around the puberty times yeah. where you get, where I got really suppressed because of not knowing and yeah. not having those conversations and right. it just not being normal. And I really think that it's the beginning of that right now for kids. Yeah. Like, I think it, um, like, yeah, you, I had the anatomy conversation and it was great. Yeah. It was really solid information. Yeah. Talking about like pleasure and it's not just masturbation. It's like taking a bath or like taking the time to sit down and read. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is doing you, doing you like put on that lipstick. Yeah. If it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Wear your sweatpants. Yeah. Or wear a sexy dress, whatever, like wear a sexy dress. Yeah. Those. And that's the funny thing. It's very subliminal. And here's the, I think again, in the conversation that's been coming up because of Harvey Weinstein and all these, Mm -hmm. um, the different ways that women are getting harassed and like, it's a much bigger conversation. There's no way you can like sum it up, right? But mm-hmm. highlights. It's kind of the objectification, right? Like one of the things that I think I've built up a lot of sensitivity towards and at a lot of points a lot of resentment was like my existence is not for your pleasure. Right. It's it, I don't exist to please you, to be pleasing to your eye. Like, if I am, I don't, like, I'm at that point in my life as an adult woman, like, if I am pleasing to your eye, cool. But if I'm not, that's not going to destroy who I am. And then when I was younger, that sense of self was so reliant on, like, do you find me desirable? Do you find Mm -hmm. me attractive? And those are very subtly enforced by so many different things. Well, we're, there's such a picture of what is beauty right. in our culture. Right. And there's like a very clear definition of what our society says that it is. And yeah. it's so damaging yeah. to, to, every, to everyone that you have to be a certain way in order to get the validation from the people in your life or anyone who's around you right. um, to know it yourself. Yeah. And it's just such an opportunity to be to choose to own to right. own it, and that's what I really hear that you're saying. Like yeah. where you've gotten to, like through the evolution of you going through life. I mean, it's such a grueling process. I'm not like making light and they're like, well, you know, I just became 30, and then like, I'm in my 30s now. But like, it it did shift for me, honestly. After 30 years yeah, old, yeah, me too. High five, 33. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, 
it's been a really step-by-step process, but one that I'm very grateful for. And I realize like all those trials and all that self-doubt and all the like, you know, I wish, I don't wish that upon other women that I love. I don't, but it's also kind of just finding the silver lining in it, I guess. Yeah. Just saying like, well, let's, you're going through that so that you can learn to appreciate what is there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's other podcasts I'm definitely planning on doing, like talking about plastic surgery because mm. Korean, yes. Korean people, it's like the capital of the world for plastic surgery. And it's just such an ingrained part of the culture. No one really talks about it. Well, not that I've heard of. Um, but anyway, like, I think it plays out in a lot of different ways. And I'm very curious, kind of just to backtrack, when you got the anatomy talk, because that segment, I just feel like is so important because it's so foundational mm-hmm. to like know your vagina or to know even on a basic physiological level, how it works. Right. Um, I've heard such a wide variety of women who've gotten different sources of education. Like I got it on a very, I had it at school starting in fifth grade and when I was 10 of like what a period is, what a penis is, how the sexual, the reproductive systems work. Mm -hmm. I got that. But like I have friends and family members from like the deep South, from like Alabama, from Texas. And they got, a really different like one of them one of their sex education classes my um someone in alabama they uh got a piece of tape a piece of scotch tape and she put it on her the teacher put it on her arm mm-hmm. and then ripped off the tape and then put it on again and ripped it, you know it gets less sticky because yeah whatever she's like this is what happens when you have sex oh. you get less sticky that was her sex ed what that actually happened in a school. That is so confusing. That's what I'm saying. They're like, what does that mean? I know. So, you know what I mean? Like, it just sounds kind of, like, scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it gets less sticky. Like, mm. is that, like, literal? Or uh, am I going to hell? I don't know. <laughs> like, and there's so <laughs> many things. Do you only get a couple times to do it? Or yeah, like, exactly. And then it, and then somebody, this happened, uh, another anecdote I heard recently, cause I talk about this openly, um, with different friends. And one of the, one of my friends said his good friend growing up believed that he believed that you could not get pregnant the first time you have sex. Mm. Like, if you're a virgin and you have sex the first time, you, like, cannot get pregnant. It's like, how would that even work? And they don't know because they don't know biology. Right. And then you have people in our government who are, like, trying to dictate how and when, you know, things like the abortion conversation is so, so mm. controversial. But I'm listening to men make laws about a uterus that they think is in a woman's stomach. And I'm like, do yeah. you know that they're separate organs? Like... Yeah, it's all just kind of baffling. So for me, as like the bio nerd, it's like it is really important to know anatomically, anatomically, like just what things are. When did your mom? How did she like break it down? And how old were you? I'm like curious to know. I think I was in high school for sure because that's kind of when everything started happening for me. Yeah. And um, what did she say? I mean, it was I. My recollection of it was she was giving me really great information. I was like, I know, I know, I know. I don't. I don't want to talk about this with you, mom. I, I already know Stop this it. stuff. Like that's that's pretty much what I remember. I'm sure her like. Maybe I need it when I have kids. I have to get a third party. Like I'm still <laughs> yeah. mom, so you know. Yeah. Like hey, you talk to my daughter. I mean, I was just so uncomfortable with the conversation, and like I had probably had the sex ed class, and it was like, did I you just, have sex ed? We did in, in school. Awesome. Where did you grow up? Um, in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, that's great. Yeah. See, I'm just so curious, like, where do, what happened? But it was very basic. It was basically, like, scaring you not to have sex and handing out condoms, you know? like <laughs> I'm thinking of the scene from Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have sex. <laughs> The gym teacher. Yeah. Don't have sex in a missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. <laughs> Just don't do it again. You will get chlamydia and die. I know. And it's like, my dad would always be like, don't sit on the toilet seat or you can get STDs. And like, you know, and there, there Your are. Your dad said that? My dad was My dad, like, concerned. those things did not exist in the universe of my father. And my, like, if we are in this space, sex does not exist in that space. My parents always wanted me to be very informed. So I would that's, always protect myself. That's and, good. It was so I mean, amazing. uncomfortable as hell, but like uncomfortable as hell. But like, I, my parents, you know, 
Uh, we're really, really good. I mean, my mom sent me a taser when I lived in New York, and she was like, you will be able to defend yourself. Very nice. Very nice. I like that. So then you know, learned anatomically. You had sex ed. Was that like in high school? Do you? Because I had it starting fifth grade. So, oh, really? Yeah. I remember being in high school when we had it. I don't remember doing it in grade school. See, and that's what I'm saying. Like, again, from like a very structural policy level. Like, kids are going through puberty really young. Yeah. And because of hormones in our food and things like that, data-wise, kids are starting to get puberty really young. Like, yeah. girls are developing in, like, some in kindergarten, which is frightening. Wow. Yeah. Certain places. So, there's, like, high levels of estrogen. There's hormones, a lot of pesticides. This is a whole other topic, you guys. I could talk about, like, just pharmaceuticals and pesticides and, like, I was a total... Oh, I could it. totally go there. Okay, wait. Yeah. Maybe another time. But that yeah. Im- impacts our... Like, we're eating this stuff and these our kids are, like, going through puberty much earlier. And so, yeah, it's becoming a distraction. I've heard... Uh, I was listening to this conversation in, like, Central California where kids are going through puberty really young. And so, yeah, boys are distracted they're like why she have boobs you have to explain these things like mm-hmm. you can't you're just gonna like keep going to school and they're just gonna make their own like ideas on what it is and like the misinformation is what's really causing a lot of the breakdown i think right but it's such a sensitive topic it is such a sensitive topic right it is important though to to have to talk about the topic right instead of like sweeping it under the rug and be like oh they'll, they'll figure it out or the teachers will do it right which, <laughs> which you know, all right. They like, can't do everything. They can't do everything. Oh my god, my friends are teachers, and God bless them. I, like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Hats off. Did to you the prior to the anatomy conversation? Did you were you interested in sex at all? Were you like? Did you listen to songs and get curious? Did you ever like? Did you ever watch porn when you were younger? Like how? I did watch porn when I was in high school. I was very horny, but I was afraid so terrified to get pregnant. Okay. I had an older half-sister, and I was an aunt since I was three and a half years old. Okay. It really wasn't until last year when my best girlfriend had her baby, and we were the two, we were never going to have children, uh-huh. that I met her son, and I was like, oh, switch flipped. I want one. Oh, you want? Oh, so yeah, you never wanted one. ever. And um, so I was always so terrified to get pregnant that, uh-huh. like, it really, I would do everything else under the sun. Yeah. But... I think that's why I waited so long because it was just like I don't I don't want to have to deal with that. But I mean that's I think that's really real and people, you know, it's kind of like understanding gravity of consequences. Yeah, like people can have their opinions of like when you're ready to have a kid, and that can range anywhere from like I'm 20, I'm ready to be a mom. Totally. Or like okay, I'm getting near 40. Maybe we should think about. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the clock is ticking. Yeah, the clock is ticking. And that's a biology thing. And some, yeah. and that's, again, a part of sex and a part of family planning. And It's just a statistic. It is. It There's is. plenty of things that you can do to So delay. that's a funny thing. I never really, even though I was, like, very sexual since I was, like, nine, I was very curious. And I'd see it in movies. And, like, I'd want to kiss boys. And, like, but, again, sex is, like, a evolving concept in your brain. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what it was. I saw my first porn when I was 10 and I didn't know what was happening. I was like fascinated. I yeah, like, I have no idea. You're like, so what is this? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, like I think that's the other part of it. I was always really kind of naive to it. Like I remember jokes would be made in high school and I'd be like, I just wouldn't get it, but I'd laugh. <laughs> and I'd just kind of go along Oosh. with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. What, are, what is it talking about? I'm just, and there wasn't the Google back then, so you go like go Google anything. Just like, yeah, sure. Just like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. And so, I, th- I mean, even the first time I had sex, mm-hmm. it, it was, I mean, and I don't want this to sound like a sad story. He, I was consenting, but I didn't know that we were having sex. Okay. And then he like, pulled out and I, I was like what was that and he was like well I have to finish now otherwise you'll never know when your first time was wait what he like I didn't really understand that he was like in me okay yet. yeah because like, I didn't really feel it okay I felt something okay um but we weren't like oh we're gonna have sex now it just kind of was like it happened it just kind of happened yeah and it was someone who I was with for a while and yeah I loved him um, but it was you such, won't know what, how, what he's like, you'll never know if you're, when your first time was, if we don't like finish now. And I was like, okay, well this, this is what sex is. It was a really like still horrible to way to start. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm still trying to like understand what he meant. Like his, his dick had been in me. Yeah. 
And, and if I, we don't finish if now. we don't if we don't finish having the sex now, uh-huh. like you'll never know when your first time was. Was he the same age as you? Was he, he is a year older than okay. me. It was see, these are children, you guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, what talking about. It was so damaging and like I'm like, oh, this is so You're weird. Sure. I remember going home and being like, what just happened? Yeah. Um and you know, I it wasn't any like horrible, horrible thing. Like terrible things happen to women, and yeah, it it wasn't anything like that. But it was very confusing because I didn't really know that much about it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's a mix of different elements that I feel create at least a foundational basis for you to start exploring. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, and that's what it, I, that's actually a great yeah. Way of I just I, I definitely didn't have that. Like I'm saying that because I didn't have that, and I'm I, I, like, and people have listened to the Me Too story. It, my introduction into like into sex, I went from like before that I had several boyfriends. I had I was a little bit of a pimp, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and I liked a lot of boys, and they liked me back. But it was very innocent, and very pure. Even if I had desirable feelings, like oh, I really want to make out with you, I never had. Mm-hmm. Like by the time the boyfriend that I had at 15, well, we started dating when I was 14. A lot older, and it was very abusive and inappropriate, and um, it that it I went from being like I had just pecked a guy, like my first kiss had happened the previous year, mm-hmm. and I we just like pecked, and it was the most it was the cutest thing. I want to like make a skit about it. It's adorable. We were like dancing outside in a tennis court with like it was just beautiful, and we had this beautiful innocent kiss. That's the most that's the furthest I'd ever gone before this much older guy who was like asking me about my masturbation habits mm. and like right off the bat and he's a lot older than me and it just wasn't okay my first time um I actually wanted to make a whole podcast just talking about those milestones but my first time I didn't feel it at all I like left my body mm. and so for me you know I can say it was traumatic and I I don't know. It, it didn't like wreck me, but it's still very sad that like I it was I was scared. I didn't want to do it, and it happened. I felt pressured. It mm-hmm. was, I felt very ashamed, but then I also felt this like, oh well, now I got to do it because I already did it once. And it's all those things that like color our sexuality, yeah, right? Because you the know way that you just said that was so eloquent, and I really feel like that's how I felt too. Like really? I was like, Oh, well I have to do it now. Otherwise, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to know. So let's just do it. Cause I've never done it. And yeah. Like, but it was kind of like a big reason why I think that I just wasn't really into sex that much. And then I went through periods where I was more like in the beginning of relationships, but then it would kind of like fizzle out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's the, that's the internal thing that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like some guys can take it, again, without this dialogue, without this awareness. Guys or, like, your partner, whoever it is, can take it personally. They're like, yeah. well, what am I doing wrong? Like, why aren't you attracted to me? Or like, You know what I mean? But it's not, it's not about you. It's about... It's about what's going on in, yeah. inside here. And like I said before, for me, it was so chemical. Really? It was just so, chem- like, off balance and chemical that, like... I um, was so stressed all the time, and I didn't really know. No one ever talked to me about masturbation. Yeah. That was never a conversation that really I ever had with any of my girlfriends. Like, yeah. never talked about it. Yeah. And when I told I remember telling my husband one time that, like, I don't do that. And he was like, you don't? Like, he couldn't even believe that, like... I didn't. He was like, you have to do that. Otherwise, like, it'll help you so much with your stress. (laughs) (laughs) For the love of God, woman, please do it. Please, please help me. Help me help you. So, (laughs) it is though, see? But then I was just like, I didn't even want to do it. It just felt like gross. And like, I was like, it's so, it was like this whole shame conversation of me being like a teenager again and being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, this is such uncharted territory and it just seems like so lame and boring and a lot of work and. <laughs> Lame and boring like, and a lot of work. That, that's how it was for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd just be like, okay, I'm just going to lay here and do it. And it, it just, but it was like, it took a minute for me to open up. But after that, my chemistry really changed where like, I was really able, I was just happier. 
I was happier. I was more smiling more. My skin's glowing. <laughs> I was dancing through my, my life. Back doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> it's it, so real. It's so real, and, and it's so much deeper. Like I love this conversation we're having because to me, it's to start scratching the surface of like it's so much deeper than just like sexual titillation or pleasure. It's like genuine understanding of yourself appreciation for yourself like care for yourself and um like I had been having sex for years with like boyfriends like after that the abusive relationship I I had boyfriends after that where like I just recognized this whole concept like even the the orgasm thing was like a whole other universe that I was just starting to recognize because my the the first guy that I was with was crazy obsessed with me orgasming, which I never did in five years that I was with this guy. And mm-hmm. it makes total sense now. Understanding sex and myself and everything to the level that I do now makes complete sense. I was completely cut off out of my body with this guy because he's uh, not a good person and like yeah. didn't respect me. Totally. His whole concept of me getting off was for his satisfaction. Totally. Because it was his achievement and because it was not for my pleasure. He never asked me what I liked. He never like, and he never cared it was not part of like his like life priority his priority was that like i win i did that how many times and i would lie i would lie my oh my god i would just be like oh you know like six seven i would just totally <laughs> like your pussy is just a receptacle oh my god yeah way. basically and i'm it, telling you it's just that's it, how it that's how it feels until i started having these conversations just like oh i'm just, yeah like i'll do it i'll do it for you yeah because I love you, and we're together, and like, I still I have had girlfriends, and I've had girlfriends like across the spectrum. And for me, again, I have a lot of like I went to church starting mm-hmm. when I was born, and there's still oh my god, that's, we could spend another five hours talking about that. But like <laughs> the the influences of shame, yeah, coming from religious and just from like just being female, like yeah. your your job is to be modest and to be. Um, an object of pleasure for what, and that's not even like overtly stated, but it's just, it's stated in so many other it's ways. subconscious yeah. in our culture yeah. and it's just been so infused. And now I think we've just gotten so woke that like we get to explore this conversation now. And now that I've been able to talk about it, it's opened so many doors for everyone around me. Right. And, and that's why we started clit talk. We're like, Oh this, if this is going on with us, yeah, this is going. This is a systemic thing. Yeah, for sure. So absolutely, and I think that we're going to keep peeling back layers, and there's yeah. a lot of layers. And I think honestly, I'm really excited just because I know that there's so many people that have a lot of reservations for a lot of different reasons, mm-hmm. um, and that's valid. But at the same time, if we stay that way. You're kind of, like, not only missing out on some really great life experiences and knowing yourself in a way that's, like, just really beautiful. Yeah. There's another way to put it. And fun. And honestly, I'm telling you, like, my experiences just uh, embracing my sexuality, it's made me more productive in so many other aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Just, like, I move differently in the world. I show up totally differently i wouldn't be sitting here being able to have this conversation i'd be like having someone else be here and i'd just be in (laughs) invisible in the corner need anything um exactly (laughs) all i knew how to do was to take care of other people i mean i was trained to be a nurse i come from a medical family yeah and and you and i were talking about it before we recorded just like about even things like salaries and negotiation and like valuing ourselves in a completely non-sexual format and like arena that that's totally relevant to everything you were saying in the beginning like having a sense of power and having a sense of like self Mm -hmm. and then embracing the fact that that centers around our sexuality that we as women like i've i think for me and i would love to hear thoughts on this but like for me being in like leadership roles and being, um, you know, go getter in my own right. I, w- the frustrating part that I felt like was generating a lot of like resentment and anger was that I was doing it to be like the man. Yes. I just, that was like, it was an epiphany a little bit. Yeah. And I've, that is what I've been noticing is that since, you know, in the sixties when women fought to be able to vote, women are in the workplace, you know, wearing pantsuits, like doing, 
work like the men do. Yeah. And, like, it's not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But there's an opportunity where our leadership as women is different than men, which is why it creates such a nice balance when you own your power. Right. Because women's power, in my experience and from reading this book, is intuitive. Right. Inclusive. And just more um, loving, in a way. It's different. It's different. And there's and good thing. Like, there's value in different. And I didn't honestly give myself space to even, like, embrace my femininity. I feel totally. like. And I was exhausted. Because yeah. I felt like my measuring stick <laughs> was... <laughs> by what a a man's definition of success and what a man's definition of leadership and what a man's definition of power meant. Yeah. And that's a completely different paradigm than what I'm now really challenging myself to say, hey, that's the construct that you were operating under. You're Mm -hmm. saying, okay, to be successful and to be power woman, you need to be blah, 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 blah. It's like, that doesn't, I am some of those things by nature and not all of it. Nor do I care to be. Honestly, I'm just so, like, tired now. <laughs> yeah. I, I no. like, my leadership way is so vulnerable. And it, I remember being in this leadership program, and it made people so uncomfortable. Right, because they're not, they're, that's not their version of, like, what it a did, leader it didn't, is. It didn't look like a leader. Yeah. Like, me being up there, being vulnerable, like, exposing myself. Right. And by the end of that project... I was so acknowledged for being so brave to be so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And it had just totally shifted the way that men and women got to step into leadership. Right. And being truly authentic. Right. And it was such a testament to, like, I was just so thankful for the opportunity to do that project. Yeah. That um, I got uh, trained in to really trust and discover how I how I lead. That's and awesome. It, it and it alters then. the way everybody gets led. Because to be honest, like one of the things that I'm realizing with a lot of male leaders or like leaders that I don't respect, mm-hmm. think why I'm like, why am I so mad? Or like why is it what is that that person that I would just never follow into battle in any in any capacity? Well it's because I don't trust them. And I think that like I've noticed that like building trust is a, a really important part of leadership because you're putting faith in somebody that whatever decision they make whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the call is, you're going to go with that and trust that that's going to lead to a good outcome. Totally. And I think, again, if it's too unbalanced and it's too in kind of like the the patriarchal way, mm-hmm. it's like, I said this, I, ex- I exude dominance and blah, 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 blah. So therefore we win. And I'm like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't cultivate trust in me. I don't trust mm-hmm. you just because like you act like if somebody messes with you, you're going to like chop their head off. Like that doesn't exude leader to me anymore. Maybe it did back in the day. I think it, I, for me, I think it did back in the day. I was like, Oh, that's what it, that's what a leader look. They lay down the law. Yeah. Like yeah. the way that they say it goes and, yeah. and there's no room for any kind of, right. You know, which is why Harvey teamwork. Weinstein got away with so much. Shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, Exactly. It's a New power, age, y'all. It's a power conversation, and it's not just men. It's women, too, For who sure. are powers. So, Oh, my gosh. Like, it, and Please come back. We have to like, yeah. talk so much about this because uh, the, the woman-to-women relationship is something I really want to talk about so much. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a byproduct of this patriarchal culture that we have is the right. mean girl, mean girl conversation. Right. So right. and and women and me as a woman is totally guilty of that and can I've totally be responsible for that moving forward. I still feel shades of it too. I like catch Absolutely. myself. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm ugh, I'm being the the thing that I don't want to be. And exactly, I'm being that competitive. I'm like, like, I'm making assumptions. I'm like, why am I hating on her? Like, good for her. Move on with you. And the other thing that I've mm-hmm. also debated and argued with with and discussed with other people is that for me personally, my version or like my belief of feminism is not dominance over men. No. To me, it's like there are so many good men and I freaking love them. It's to say if you think that just by your sex that you have dominance over me, not about that. By my, I, I'm just saying I have full power in myself because I'm female. It's not because I'm, you know, your object or your whatever. It's 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 about equality. It's mm-hmm. about having presence. It's about being at the table. I don't care to run every freaking table. Like that's not oh. my goal in life. 
but I will not, I don't want to be subdued. I don't want to be suppressed. I don't want to be minimized, condescended to. That's my, my feminism. Yeah. That women have full power of themselves, their bodies, their emotions, their minds. And that's just my version. And so I, I, I like, I just appreciate because I think every conversation that we have like this that you're doing with, with your podcast is going to be expanding that conversation and understanding. And understanding and walking through it and discovering like what the new conversation is. Yeah. I think it's fun. It's super fun. It's so fun. <laughs> I'm going to like go out and like, I want to get vibrators for so many of my girlfriends. Yes. There are a lot of women who have never had time f- with and for themselves. So I'm like, girl. Girl, <laughs> go run yourself a bubble bath. Here you go. Here you go. Happy holidays. <laughs> Thank you so much, Katie, for being here Thank and like you. talking about this and doing the work that you're doing and putting yourself out there and like sharing your discoveries. I don't know. It's like it, it just gives us all like this upward spiral. And I think everyone will benefit from it. Um, and I hope that if you are uncomfortable in this listening to this podcast, well, get ready for more. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fun. Like you grow and like I was like, oh, we're talking about that. Yeah, yeah like we are. <laughs> where where the uncomfortability lies is where you get to walk through. Yeah, if you choose. Okay, I'm okay. Also, side note, I said this to another guy friend. I was like, if women are good in their bodies and they're enjoying sex, I'm like, who doesn't benefit from that? Everyone, everyone, everyone benefits from this conversation. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna embrace it. It's gonna be great. We're gonna walk through it, and we'll be here cheering you on. Um, and, and laughing and smiling and like, we'll, we'll get through it. You guys, it's going to be great. Um, Katie, if people want to find out more about you, your work, your podcast, all that stuff, where they, where can they go? You can go to clittalkshow.com and we're on Instagram at clittalk. At Clitalk. Okay, very nice. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to do some shout outs right now. Thank you so much to Aquafina for use of her song, Yellow Ranger. I need to figure out, I'm, I just love her song. I don't know if you've heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a very powerful Asian American rapper. She has a song called My Vag, Ooh. which when I heard it, I was uncomfortable. I was like, whoa, this whole song is about her vagina. Yeah. But it's just so clever and really well done. Um, and thank you to Marvin Yue, my producer, my audio engineer. Thank you so much for, he's going he's gonna to get educated from <laughs> editing this episode. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Um and, and thank you to everybody who's been uh, subscribing, reviewing on Apple Podcasts. And if you could subscribe and leave a review, thank you so much uh, for doing that. It helps people find this podcast more, include more people in the conversation. If you'd like to support this podcast and myself, I am embarking on my journey as an independent artist and uh, starting my own production company in the very near future. So if you want to contribute to that, please become a patron at patreon.com slash first of all podcast. You can find me on first of all pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow my personal page, which is Minjeezy, M-I-N-J-E-E-Z-Y. And yeah, I hope that you guys have an amazing, amazing week. Um, Be a light and be loved to everybody you see and meet, because everyone needs it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye.